And right now, we cap off or top off or start off our number two here with the live breakdancer himself. He does it all. And uh, he is now, I guess, uh, you know, chilling out a little bit, even though this is not chill out time, even though the regular season's over. Playoffs not on the horizon for the Raiders, but a lot of front office decisions to be made. And our guy, Paul Gutierrez, I should say ESPN's guy, we're going to claim him too. You're our guy too, Paul. So what do you think of that? I like it. I like it. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, it's hurry up and wait season. Um, you know, when, you, when you're trying to fill a lot of roles from uh, general manager to head coach to offensive coordinator to potentially defensive coordinator and, oh, yeah, quarterback, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of hurrying up and even more waiting going on. So, yeah, that's, that's where we are. That's where we're at. All right, man. So, obviously, you're staying, uh, staying by your phone in case you got to get out to the facility real quick, right? It's that time of year, yeah. right? Exactly. Exactly. There's, and, and you know, that's the thing with, with the NFL and, and any sport anymore, I guess, is there's no real such thing as an off season. And at least when you're in a season, you have a schedule, you have games, you know exactly when things are going to happen as long as, you know, as far as games are concerned. But now it is, it's a lot of, it's like playing uh defense. You just, uh, you're reading and you're reacting. So it's, and, and you're also, you're trying to, to get the scoop and, and, and break a story here and try and figure out where, which, which way the key leaves are pointing and things like that. But yeah, it's, uh, it's something when you've been covering the Raiders as long as I have, you just kind of get used to it. You know, you know what this season means. How many times have you thought, okay, this is the perfect time for a vacation. It's time to get away. I don't want to be bothered. I wish I could just turn off my phone. But then all of a sudden, uh-oh, there was a breaking news with, with the team you're covering. How often does that happen for you? Um, that would probably be a better question for my wife because she would be able to tell you exactly when and where it happened. Um, yeah, no, it, it happens all the time. I mean, I could tell you... Um, I was in line for uh, a roller coaster at Disneyland, California Adventure, last year when the uh, the Derek Carr news broke that he was being benched. Um, I was visiting a campus, uh, University of Pacific campus, with my son when he was on his college tours last spring when the word came that he was actually released. Um, anywhere, anywhere, you just have, always have to be, you know, I call it the matrix where you're just always plugged in. Right. And you just have to always, you know, you can't really take a break unless you tell your bosses, hey, I, I, I'm on vacation. And I'm leaving, but even then, things happen. I mean, it, it's wild. That's just the world it is. You know, with the 24-7 news cycle, here we are. Now, I don't know if you had the fast pass or not, but if you were standing in line, like, for an hour and a half, and then you're about to, to, to climb in that roller coaster, oh, 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 I got to go. Derek Carr, what? I, I got to go. You can't give that up, Paul. You got to stay on the roller coaster. Um, you know what? I had already written that coaster once. It was the uh, the Incredicoaster. <laughs> so I was good. And being an ESPN employee, you know, I, 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 That's right. I'm good. That's so right. I got out. I got out, and I wrote a new story on my my work phone, the iPhone. So it was <laughs> as quick as my thumbs were ever working. I love it. That is all. That is awesome. All right. So the Raiders close out with a victory Sunday against Denver. I don't know how you felt about this. You know, I'm walking up to the press box, and you know, I'll walk around the stadium a little bit, and I've just felt that it was a weird vibe and understandably yes. so. But as you know, with the Raiders, it doesn't matter the record and this team really isn't used to playoffs and everything. So the fan base is crazy, but I was really kind of tuned in to the Bronco fan base and I was walking up. I'm going like, you know what? These are two dejected fan bases today. That's the vibe that I got that it was like, okay, especially if you're Bronco fans, like you probably bought these tickets to come to Allegiant stadium early in the year. And you're thinking, wow, playoff implications. You know, Russell Wilson, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, the hated Raiders. We actually got a shot this year, but just both fan bases, it just seemed like, wow, you know, th there's really not much to play for today. 
You didn't, you didn't think a lot of those fans there were, were hyped for the Jarrett Stidham versus Aiden O'Connell matchup at quarterback? I, I didn't no? feel it. I, didn't, I, I, you know, I, I thought they were more in tune to like, hey, I, let me be the first in line to go get a Fuku burger. Oh, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I, 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 I've been saying I've been—I guess I've been offending a lot of people yeah. when I say that. See, what's the other way? I've never—I've never—I've never had one. So, but uh, you know, my producer extraordinaire. I mean, I think he's got stock in the. It is Fuku, right? It is Fuku. Yeah. They are amazing. Okay, so, Paul, Paul, okay, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny because I've been saying that, and people saying "fuk you, fuk me" or something. I don't. It was something like that regarding the burgers. Yeah. But, uh, well, Paul just—Paul just had his vowels mixed up a little bit. You know, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, but it was it was a strange vibe. I felt it walking in, and because um, it was almost like last day of school, but trying to pr- prove something. And and you know, if you're just pulling away and looking at it from a realistic, logical standpoint, yes, you play to win the game, no doubt. Shout out Herm Edwards. But really, what the Raiders did was yes, they they've owned the Broncos, and you always want to own your division. You want to finish with a winning record in the division. They swept the Broncos. Great, good. Antonio Pierce put his stamp on on his resume, so to speak, by closing out with three wins in the division. But at the end of the day, the Raiders, they also did this. They gave themselves a harder schedule for next year, and they worsened their draft spot. So does that matter? I don't know. Would you rather have the win or the draft slot? Would you rather have the win or an easier schedule next year? I don't know. I think you just want to play for pride, and you just figure it out from there. But I will tell you this, that in going into that locker room afterwards, and once you kind of clear through the cigar smoke, um, getting into the locker room and then looking up and seeing all the legends that were sitting in there from Jim Plunkett to all the gold jackets, Ted Hendricks, Jim Otto, Charles Woodson, Richard Seymour, Mike Haynes, Marcus Allen, all in there celebrating and to a degree advocating for Antonio Pierce to get the job. That in and of itself was worth the price of admission. And, and that was, you know, a, probably one of the, the, the biggest moves that Antonio Pierce and Champ Kelly did to try to solidify their, their spots because we all know how much the history, the heritage, the DNA, all of that means to Mark Davis um, when it comes to this franchise. You know, two things there that you that you hit on. First of all, the cigars. You know, the team acted like they qualified for the playoffs or something, you know, with this. And I don't know if that rubs some people the wrong way or not, or because we've seen the cigar celebration, what, two or three different times during the course of this regular season. We're saying, you know, I mean, Red Arbuck wouldn't be too... Uh, too uh, proud of that you know you got to reserve those moments what is your take about that as far as you know celebrating you know a an eight nine season yeah you know it it took me back to 2010 and and i'll tell you a quick story here i'm covering the raiders at that point for the sacramento no actually for csn bay area and they finish out they beat the chiefs at arrowhead and make my way down to the locker room and the raiders finish eight and eight and Tom Cable made his infamous saying, we're no longer losers. We're not losers anymore. Yeah, eight and eight. <laughs> so as I'm making my way back up to the, the press box to write, I hear Al Davis's voice. And he's being pushed in his wheelchair. And I stop. I introduce myself. And I congratulate him. I congratulate him on not only ending the season on a win, Uh-oh. but congratulating Uh-oh. him on an eight and eight season. <laughs> and you can't talk about Al Davis without doing the voice. This is not an insult or anything, but it's, it's my attempt at doing the voice. He looks at me and goes, Hey, Nate, if that's the world you live in. So that right there told me that he was not happy with eight and eight. Right? And I used that later on. So, so yeah, to be, uh, you know, eight and nine, it, it, it's different. It depends upon which lens you're looking at it through. I mean, these guys to a man in that locker room, they really feel like they were kind of sprung from some sort of jail 
when Josh McDaniels was fired and Antonio Pierce took over. And, and, um, yeah, and it's not a shot at Josh per se, but it's just that Antonio let them be them. They let them be themselves. And being the old school Raider quote unquote fan that I was when I was a kid growing up, it felt really similar. Honestly, it felt really similar to when Mike Shanahan was fired four games in the 89 season who wouldn't let guys sit on their helmets. I think we talked about this before. Yeah, yep. And then all of a sudden, Art Shell comes in and he's the players coach and he knows what it means to be a Raider and he understands the, the history and the culture and everything that comes with it. This feels like that. Just fast forwarded 30 plus years so that, um, you know, there's, there's more social media. There's more guys being out there. There's more. You see it. You hear it. And, and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, should you be smoking cigars and celebrating after finishing 8-9? Probably not, but they did it, and that's what Antonio talked about yesterday when I asked him a question about about the situation. And, and he said, look, they, they weren't really necessarily celebrating the victory, per se, as much as just celebrating being together and accomplishing the goal together. And, and if you can compartmentalize that, more power to you. You know, and as far as the, the head coaching, whether there's a vacancy or not, uh, we don't know. But, you know, of course, the narrative out there is, is that, hey, well, Antonio Pierce is, you know, one over the locker room. Of course. I mean, those guys are players. He's a former player. I get that. You know, you know, we see that. But really, I mean, how far can that really carry you? And I'm not exactly sure because I haven't talked to Mark about this and he, you know, I, I'm not sure. You know how he's gonna, you know, you know, take this. If uh, he's gonna go with Pierce, he's going to, you know, obviously explore other head coaches. You know, obviously Jim Harbaugh. That's that that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. And plus, there's the relationship there. But just, you know, h- how far can that go? Because I'll just speak for myself, Paul. I still thought there was a lot of questionable um, situations, play calls, timeouts usage by Antonio Pierce. That it showed, okay, this guy is not ready to be a head coach. I mean, yes, fire, emotion, uh, you know, having having the players, you know, rally behind you. I get all that, but when we look at his resume, it's five and four, and I'll give him all the credit in the world. They beat a Kansas City Chiefs team on the road. That that is the signature victory. But I still can't get out of my mind. You lost three nothing to the yeah. Minnesota Vikings on your home field. Sure, the next week you put up you know, 60-plus points, and you set a franchise record against a Chargers team that basically fired their coach at halftime. So I'm just not sure, you know, what screams this guy is going to be a successful head coach. And I, I'm sure Mark is going to take everything into consideration here. But as you know, there is a, a, a big portion of the fan base and even media people that think Antonio Pierce deserves this job. Yeah, and that's what therein, therein lies the problem mm-hmm. is take deserve out of the equation because right. two years ago I would have died on this hill that Rich Basaccia and that entire staff quote unquote deserved at least another year. Mark Davis didn't see it that way, and it's his call. He was not impressed with the X's and O's of Rich Basaccia. He wanted an X's and O's guy, so he went out and got who he was told, who he was sold on, was the preeminent X's and O's guy that was available at that time in Josh McDaniels. Didn't work. So now you have to wonder, and I did talk to Mark after the game, and I wrote about it on ESPN.com Sunday night. Um, he is. He, he's excited. He's excited about the way the team came together and the way the team finished under Antonio. He was excited about finishing um, with a winning record in the division, with those three wins against uh, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Broncos to close out the year under Antonio. 
And and when he first elevated him from linebacker coach back uh, on November 1st, Mark told me at that time that he didn't necessarily want um, Antonio to coach the team so much as lead them and then delegate to the coordinators. So I asked him Sunday night, I said, did he do it? He said, without a doubt. And then he turned it around and asked me, what do you think? Yeah. And that's when I told him, I said, well, going in that locker room and seeing all the old legends in there and the celebration and the vibe, I said, it felt very much like an old L.A. Raider vibe. And then he quickly corrected me, Mark did, and he said, Raider vibe, Raider days. Right. So that, to me, told me that he appreciates it and he respects it. Is that going to push Antonio over the finish line? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't doubt it. I, but I also believe that it's going to be a bigger percentage of the decision this time than it was two years ago. Because there's been a lot of re- reports out there that, oh, Mark regrets not hiring Rich Versace. I don't think he regrets not, not um, hiring Rich two years ago. But I do believe that he wishes he had taken the temperature of the locker room more right. two years ago which to me means that he's going to take it more this time, but I don't know that that's what's going to get him over the top. Yeah, and see, something that you said right there, too, it it just resonates with me. Like, even though you're you're not going to have any influence in the decision – He's done. He did the. He has done the same thing with me when we were talking yeah. about whether it's Raiders or Aces things. And he will say, "So what do you think?" And that's yeah. the point here with Mark is that you know it, he's not a Jerry Jones type of guy, as you know. He is a guy that will will really try to you know, gauge other people's interests, especially ones that he respects. He's going to have, as you know, he taps into Charles Woodson and other uh, former Raiders alumni. He knows other executives and other organizations or retired people. And I think, you know, he's always done that with making these coaches decisions, but I think that he's really going to tap into more so uh, this time around than anybody else. And he's really going to take his time because he can't swing and miss. In this, and I think that he knows that he swung and missed with it with a McDaniel's thing, and there's probably regret with that. But at that point in time, he thought, okay, you know, this feels pretty good. But I think that he knows deep down inside that he has to to score here, hit a home run, score a touchdown, whatever you know, crazy you know, uh, you know, verbiage you want to use here. But I just feel that he is really going to tap into as many people as he possibly can who he respects and says, you know, let, I, I, we got to make the right the right decision here. And it wouldn't surprise me if uh, this takes a while. Yeah, and, and I asked him that too if there was any type of deadline or, or timetable, and he said nope. Probably before next season, though, which, you know, he laughed, and, and that's him, and he gets in his car, and he goes off. So yeah. um, I look back, and, and that's the thing is, is with these situations, you can you can try to learn from the past and, and, and uh, apply it to today, and you look back, and, well, you know, Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels were announced on January 31st, the week before, you know, before the Super Bowl. So I would imagine something similar this time as well because the NFL really frowns upon teams making news during Super Bowl week, but with the Super Bowl being in Las Vegas, um, what better way to do it the week before the Super Bowl than to have kind of a splash hiring slash announcement. The other thing here, too, is, um, you know, they, they need to figure out what they're going to do with GM, too. Right. So, and if he's going to stick with the idea that the GM should have some sort of say over who the coach is, okay, well, then something certain, certain things have to happen in a certain order. Also, is he going to have the football czar that we've heard about and talked about that's going to really oversee all of that? Uh, you know, And if it is Antonio Pierce, well, what are you going to do about the offense? What are you going to do about the quarterback? They're, they're drafting 13th instead of 8th or 9th, which they could have been before uh, with the loss. So it's, it's um, a lot of questions with fewer answers. So it's going to be, again, like I said at the top of this, it's, it's hurry up and wait. 
check your sources, check in, see what's going on. And, and based on my conversation with Mark after the game, he seemed a little bit more fluid this time than he was um, two years ago. Right, right. Paul Gutierrez joins us, ESPN Raiders insider, talking about the Raiders situation. Coach, general manager, quarterback, all three big questions here. Now, we know that the Raiders have moved on the general manager candidates right away. Uh, they've requested to interview three candidates. Ed Dodds, once again, he was actually interviewed by Mark Davis and, uh, a couple of years ago, as we know, an assistant general manager with the Colts, Trey Brown, personnel um, executive with the Bengals, and then we have Terrence Gray, the director of player personnel with the Buffalo Bills. We know those three guys are going to get interviews. Anything else you've heard outside of those three uh, guys, Paul, and then give us some some feedback about any of those. Yeah, no, I haven't heard anything beyond those three, but it is interesting. And, and again, it's like the head coaching situation. My understanding is that per the Rooney rule, you have to interview at least two minority candidates yep. from outside of the building. Mm-hmm. Once you do that, then you go ahead and make your hire or make your offers, and then you go from there. Champ Kelly, I do know this, was that um, when when both he and, and Antonio were promoted to the interim roles uh, back on November 1st, I do, I do believe that Mark Davis was actually, at that point in time, more excited about Champ getting the opportunity to show his wares um, as an assistant GM, or as a GM, actually. So it'll be interesting because if indeed it is champ, then you have a vision of, okay, now where does he want to go? Because as Mark Davis told me two years ago, the GM gets 51% of the call of the power. The coach gets 49%. So you throw whatever number you want. It could be 99 and one, but whoever has that 51 gets the final decision, right? Right. So, so then does that then mean that, you know, he was with the Bears when, when uh, they drafted Justin Fields? Does that mean that they make a run for him, make a move for him? Or does that mean that he really didn't like him? I, I, we don't know yet. So that's one thing right there. If it's Dodds, he seems to have the instant connection with Jim Harbaugh. So that's going to get those tongues wagging. Um, it, it's just kind of following, you know, I, I'm going to go, you know, I'll go back to our old school thing. It's like when Bobby and, and, and Greg and Peter were trying to return the Tabu Tiki to Vincent Price yeah. and he had to leave the trail of popcorn yes. going all the way to the cave so yes. that, that the parents could find him. Yes. It's the same thing. we got to follow that same trail that Mark is leaving here <laughs> to tell us exactly what's going to happen next. And if your sound guy can find the the sound of the tabloid kiki from the Brady Bunch, more power to you. <laughs> There's no doubt. I, I I'm just glad that you didn't go with you know uh, you know you know uh, Mike leaving the uh, the architect plans on the uh, uh, roller coaster or whatever at Kings Island. If you remember that one, there, there Kings uh, Island and yeah, I know. And then he, he pulled out the Yogi Bear poster, right or whatever. But yeah. the thing, the, the good <laughs> trivia about that. Uh, I know we always go off track here, but the good which trivia is, about which is what our audience wants, <laughs> by the way, Paul. Enough Raiders. Are you kidding me? They're eight and nine. Talk TV, talk music, talk breakdancing. Let's go. The good, yeah, the good trivia about the, Ra- the the Raiders, about the Bradys going to Hawaii was when when Mike came home from work and told the family they were going to Hawaii, he still had the straight hair. Right. When they get to Hawaii, he has the perm. <laughs> yes. The perm stayed throughout the remainder of the series. That, to me, is the best besides the... The sound of the tabutiki. So there you go. Oh, Dumpchuck's got it. But the, the question is, it's like he says it's a four minute clip. So it's like we're not gonna yeah. we're gonna tolerate four minutes. But if you can get the sound yeah. of the tabutiki, uh, that's in Vincent Price. It's out there. Yeah, it's it's there. It's out there. There's no question. And just, don't forget Vincent Price with a classic voice in Michael Jackson's 1983 thriller. Let's don't forget that. All right. No, not at all. Not at all. And saw that documentary as well. And yes. took me back to junior high school. And I remember everybody having to leave school immediately to get home to watch it live on MTV because 
If you didn't see it that day at that time, you didn't know when you were going to see it again. Unless you had a VCR, and in 1983, nobody in Barstow really... Not a lot of people in Barstow had VCRs. There it is. Saved my beans. Oh, well, good. Now, let's get on. Are you prepared to tell me where well, you... A little faint there. The precise it's yeah. from 72, buddy. <laughs> I mean, like, they didn't have HD. Uh, we didn't need the sound of the tiki. I don't need to hear Vincent Price or, 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 or Mike or Greg Brady, but that's okay. But speaking every of which... Every time something bad happened. Yeah, every time something yes. bad happened, whether it was the, the, the tarantula crawling on, on Peter's chest, this thing falling <laughs> off the wall, almost hitting Bobby, Greg wiping out, Alice's hip going out. There it is, that tiki. Uh, hey, Paul, if you have not seen the uh, the the Showtime documentary, the, uh, the Forty Years of Thriller, it is fantastic. Okay, it just got released last month. Uh, you got to yeah, see it. Yeah, yeah, uh, an hour twenty four minutes of gold with uh, with with Michael Jackson. The forty yeah, anniversary. Phenomenal. It is. It is. It is, it is phenomenal. I saw it already. Yeah, it, it is great. All right, so here's the question. All right, we talked about the GM. We talked about the coach. What about the quarterback here? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's had the great attitude, but you know he wants to play. And yeah. you and I have talked about it before. It's like, okay, come on. Did Antonio Pierce really believe that Aiden O'Connell was the best quarterback on this roster in this quarterback room? Or you know, was there a directive not to play Garoppolo? I, we saw Garoppolo get in the game for three plays you know, and yeah. one incompletion, and that's it. Uh, what's your take on Jimmy G-, G? Did you talk to him on on Sunday? And what are the Raiders going to do with this contract? Yeah, I talked to Jimmy yesterday, actually, in locker room uh, cleanup. The guy has been nothing but a pro. I mean, after what we saw last year when the starting quarterback got benched, he took his ball and, and ran home and didn't talk to anybody. This guy stuck around all year long and, and you know, was a mentor for the first time in his career, was a mentor towards a younger guy and accepted the role. And as he told us yesterday, he was a rookie once himself, and Tom Brady did it for him. So it's in his mind, quarterbacks have to pay it forward. So that's what he was doing. Um, he told me off to the side, hey, man, you never know about next year. A lot of it depends upon who the GM is, who the coaches. Um, I didn't ask him about his contract. I'm not trying to get in anybody's pockets. Right. But if he really wanted to come back and compete to start, and if Mark Davis was all up for it, because obviously, obviously, a thousand times, obviously, Jimmy would not have been benched without the owner's approval, per se, right? So if Mark's up for it and if Jimmy wants to take a pay cut and come back and not make $25 million, um, I don't see why they wouldn't do that. But also I will just tease to what we're doing at ESPN. We have a, um, a mock um, quarterback exercise going on where we can put in trade offers for different quarterbacks. And I may or may not have put in an offer for Justin Fields, not knowing who the GM or who the, the coach is going to be, but you know, you got to kind of protect yourself. And then at 13, those top three quarterbacks are probably going to be gone. And here's the other interesting thing was that um, Jaden Daniel was in the locker room, too, um, reportedly, after the game. And that's that's Antonio Pierce's guy from Arizona State back right. in the day. That's true. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good stuff uh, from Paul Gutierrez. All right, we'll leave with this, my friend. Now, uh, I know you're ESPN. This is Terrible Tuesday. I nearly lost my voice in the last segment. Now I'm going to give you your turn here. Uh, a little playoff football. Okay, we've got two games Saturday. We've got three games Sunday. we got a Monday night game. That's all fine and dandy. But only one of these games, Paul, the general public, for the most part, is not going to be able to see because the NFL is holding hostage for you to purchase Peacock. How do you feel yeah. about Peacock and these playoffs, Paul Gutierrez? You need to write something. You at least need to scream something. Let's go, man. Yeah, you know, here's the thing about that is um, if it was on ESPN, I'd probably be all for it. 
Um, but when I worked at NBC, I'd probably be off for this too. It just, it just seems weird. I mean, the season's too long. Um, gosh, you know, I remember when this would be the weekend of the conference championship games back in the day. So it just, everything to me seems like it's just a money grab. And and this kind of goes along those vibes too. Um, it just is a shame. Everybody should be able to enjoy the game and, and, and appreciate it and watch it on their own devices whenever and wherever they want. And, um, yeah, it just seems like it's just going, it's just a, a path going towards more and more money for, for the haves and, and less for the have-nots. It's unfortunate. And it's Miami and Kansas City, too. I mean, you've got the number one scoring offense against the defending champs and the most popular player in the National Football League in Patrick Mahomes, and a majority of the public uh, will not watch this, whether they don't know how to find a stream or they don't want to pay for a stream. They shouldn't have to. And, and again, it's just insane that we've gotten to this. Okay, the Thursday night thing, I'm not a fan of. Uh, I'm not a fan of streaming anywhere when you're just limiting your audience. But a playoff game? Are you kidding me? A playoff game and a playoff game with these two teams? I mean, we were talking about potentially this being an AFC championship game. It is, it is the best playoff game that we have of the weekend in a majority of the country. They're not going to see it. Yeah, and that's it, – it's – I kind of phrase it this way. It's like the, the frog in the boiling pot of water, right? It's, the frog sitting there in the water is just slowly boiling, and he doesn't know he's being cooked until it's too late. So I think they're, they're just doing all these tests here to see how much the fans will pay for it, how much they'll take. And, uh, you know, and, and if fans are going to go ahead and buy it and, and go in, then that's more money for the NFL. It's, um, I don't know, maybe that's just the cynic in me, but I, I don't like it at all. It should all be on quote-unquote free TV because that's what the fans deserve. Yeah, I don't know how you did in chemistry or whatever that was, Paul. I'm not boiling frogs, science. I was out. I was out, man. I was looking at the racing form during my science class. I'll tell you that right now because uh, my old teacher is like 78 years old. Doc Williams, Folsom, Folsom High School. Yeah, he said, that's okay, kid. Just pick me a winner at Golden Gate Fields in the eighth race today and you're good. You had so you went to Folsom High School. I had a cousin who went to school at uh, Folsom State. Actually, no way. He was in the Folsom State. <laughs> right down the street, brother. Hey, yeah. I visited it every day on our bus. I mean, we 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 st- <laughs> we we stopped there all the time, man. Up the hill, there it is. Yeah, Warden's kid was on our bus. There he is. Oh boy. Yeah, there you go. Don't forget Jake Browning, Folsom High alumni. Remember that. I will remember that. I did not know that. There you go. There you go. See, we we aim to please here. All right, brother. We'll let you get back to some uh, classic TV uh, during your downtime, if there is any. Sounds good. Hey, and also one more thing there about you were mentioning the thriller uh, documentary, 1983, 40 years ago. Yes. Not only was it that long ago, that's also the last time the Raiders won a Super Bowl was the 1983 (laughs) season. There you go. This is true. There it is. You want to be starting something? All right, man. (laughs) We did it. Take care, brother. All right, you too. There it is, my guy, Paul Gutierrez. Raiders Insider ESPN breaking down all the knowledge from the football side. GMs, coaches, quarterbacks, and music.